All right, on today's episode of Chalk Talk, we have a special guest in Michael Horn. We're really excited to welcome him back on. He was actually on probably when we first really kicked this off, uh, maybe in the teens of the podcast, and now we're at about episode, I think this one is 68. So we've come a long way. Very excited to have Michael on. Before we kick off, I have a favor for everyone watching, listening, and that's to tell a friend or tell a teacher, colleague, you know, someone that they're listening to this Chalk Talk podcast. Uh, as a small company and a, a small kind of operation, we welcome any kind of word of mouth that we can get. So please feel free if you've been enjoying the podcast, both with Coach Brez, myself, our different guests like Michael, please, please, please feel free to reach out and let other people know uh, that you're listening to it. So with that, we're going to jump in. This is Chalk Talk presented by Platform. Let's go. As I mentioned at the front of the show, Michael, uh, great to have you on. Appreciate you joining us in this kind of uh, quarantine-style podcast setting. It's good to be back with you, even if it's not uh, in person this time. Uh, we get we get to do it over Zoom, but it's that, good to see you. That's right. Last time, last time you came in, we did uh, we had quite the day for ourselves. We had podcast. We did a workout together. It was a it was a good little. It was a, a good day. It was, yeah, it was a good Friday, and we'll have to get back into into some of those when when life goes back to normal. But before we kind of jump into conversations around remote learning, something that you've spent a lot of time talking about um, recently, but also you know far before this all happened, I think it's probably a good place to start in kind of your experience probably before everything um, of this nature, because this, you know, as a subject and a topic of doing online and remote style learnings, isn't really new to you within the last couple of months. It's something you've spent a lot of time kind of focusing on. So if you wouldn't mind kind of just introducing yourself and, and talking a little bit about that, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in 2006, I started working with Clay Christensen, the Harvard uh, Business School professor uh, who passed away a few months ago. Uh, and uh, we wrote a book called Disrupting Class, which was about how using the theories of disruptive innovation could basically create a personalized learning experience for every single student uh, so that they could get the support and learning that they need when they need it, given that we're all different. We have different needs at different times. Uh, and a major thrust of that was that online learning used mostly in schools, frankly, uh, in blended learning settings, uh, could be a powerful tool to aid in that personalization effort at scale. Uh, but of course, one thing we learned a lot about uh, from writing that book, uh, and once I founded the Clayton Christensen Institute and, and, and ran the education team there for many years, uh, was we spent a lot of time with the full-time virtual school uh, parents and students and schools themselves, the educators themselves, and really got to know that community uh, extraordinarily well and sort of the role that they were playing in trying to personalize learning uh, as well. And I, I've never believed virtual schooling would be the dominant way of learning like uh, we're going through at the moment. Um, but I've spent a lot of time with those teams and, and, and know that area well and have researched it well, both the uh, upsides of, of, of a virtual school environment or a remote environment, uh, and then the challenges as well. So it, uh, it's an area I'm very familiar with. Awesome. And, and you, you kind of uh, used a good word there um, in terms of to scale, right? Like it was one of those things you've looked at in maybe smaller bubbles or with groups that maybe, hey, let's try it in a certain school or within a certain virtual school that has probably, you know, maybe a couple thousand students at, at most at times. And then they start to grow, obviously. But then, you know, we're now talking about thousands of students, millions of kids all across the country that are all basically with schools at scale 
going remote. So it's kind of like you said, like you probably never thought it was going to just kind of flip the switch and we'd be here, but you know, for better or worse, we're here. Yeah. I mean, look, it's obviously a tremendous amount of pain for families out there right now and for educators trying to adjust to this reality without a lot of support, a lot of resources, a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of tried and true practices about how to do remote learning, about how to do virtual learning that teachers are not getting to benefit from right now because it's been so hasty, obviously. Right. By the same token, you know, there's a lot of educators doing a lot of really good work for kids right now that need uh, not frankly just the academic learning, but the broader set of supports so that they're okay right now amidst a very stressful time. And so it's, it's I think, you know, th there's obviously a lot of challenges right now, but the silver lining in all this is there a lot of educators stepping up to support students throughout their life and support yeah. their parents? And that's great. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I'm actually, I, I went back and listened to our first podcast that you and I had done together. And there was a, a case that you had been kind of watching and reading about um, with the students. I think I forget what country it was in, but it was the remote learning that was going on. And there was some pushback in terms of like, well, you know, it would, students would be a lot better off with teachers and they'd be a lot better off and we're sending this remote learning to these kids. And your argument almost was, well, we can't do that right now. We can't get the teachers there. So this is the very best option. Um, and I think for a lot of people, that's hard to stomach sometimes. And, and in those cases, um, it was hard for people to see. And there was some kind of, um, you know, arguments to be made for both sides of saying, you know, well, there's no better option or we need to make a better option. But right now, this is a perfect example of, you know, this is the only option that we really have to choose from. And so instead of kind of lamenting saying, you know, having a teacher in the classroom would be better, or having, you know, kids here would be better. Like, we know that that's not going to be possible for many schools for the remainder of the year. And so, like you said, hasty or not, teachers are now having to kind of jump up and make things happen. So it, maybe it would be great kind of... It, for you to describe in, in your best practices and things that, you know, they've found in virtual schools and things like that, that have been kind of like a nice kind of foundation for making this all work. And then maybe we can start to pick it apart if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. So, so, and, and, and I think the way you described it is exactly right, which is, you know, and disruptive innovations for all their connotations, they start when the alternative is literally nothing at all. Right. right. And, and to your point, the alternative is nothing at all. And so what we're doing right now is better than nothing. And, and I want to make a actually very strong statement, which is there have been a lot of conversations around equity and concern for individuals that won't be able to learn via remote learning right now. And, and those are important conversations to have. And they are not reasons not to, uh, not to offer learning opportunities uh, to families right now. Yeah. Because uh, like everyone's suffering, we need to give as much as we can to keep people on track to make sure that they are stable and so forth. And uh, I think those schools that have said, we're not doing anything in an effort around equity have been incredibly misguided. Mm -hmm. um, so with that out of the way, um, I think, you know, look, the first thing is obviously supporting uh, your, your learners and your families uh, at, at sort of the base of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like, are you okay? How do we get food to you? What do you need from a healthcare perspective, social, emotional support? Uh, health and wellness and things of that, like that has to be the foundation, mm -hmm. frankly, of this response. Right. Then you can start to move up and say, okay, what else makes sense? And uh, to, to execute on that, you know, frankly, having check-ins, I would say ideally daily, 
with a teacher uh, is really important for students. And that could be a five minute check-in, that's a phone call, it could be online, it could be a set of text messages, whatever is appropriate. Uh, I think that there needs to be check-ins where you're actually communicating with an adult. And then the second thing is opportunities for the community to come together uh, on a regular basis. And I think that synchronous uh, aspects, you know, you as a family can opt out, but providing it as a school is incredibly important uh, at, at the baseline. Yeah. Then we can start thinking about the academics and so forth on top of that is, is my perspective. And, and the way I would think about it is uh, as a teaching team, keep it simple at first and figure out what are the core things we really wanna make sure that students know and can do at the end of this experience. And what are the trade-offs we're gonna make? What are we gonna not try to tackle? Sure. And then step back and say, hey, are there already online platforms and online resources that can help us deliver those experiences so we don't have to reinvent the wheel? There's so much out there. Once you've decided what's important, you can curate those lists uh, much, much easier because there are a lot of lists out there right now, free resources yeah, yeah. Uh, that are overwhelming. But if, if you've decided what matters to you as a school, what you really wanna make sure your kids in different grade levels and so forth, different subject areas know and can do, uh, then you can start curating those um, in accordance with that and, and, and figure out the best way to offer those experiences. Yeah, and I think that's a good point in terms of like kind of assessing kind of like the different layers like you've talked about, like, and, and not rushing to the next one. And I think what you've seen a lot of schools that have kind of gotten off the ground in a, in a good kind of foot forward, even in a quick way is like they kind of lined out their phases like phase one we're going to try to get everybody technology and we're going to help support people get them food launch the meal programs just check in and do like a we're not even going to talk about school we're just going to talk about life and everything else like that all right two weeks down the road like the school i'm at um and coach at that was like kind of their phasing now it's like all right we're giving you all the resources available and we're going to have office hours for teachers and then we'll kind of go as we get further along and see how it works if we're ready to do more of like a structure. Like, so they're not even in the structured classroom settings yet because, yeah. you know, it, it just didn't make sense for it to be able to um, work and not everyone's showing up, right? Like, you know, yeah, I, sure. I, I, I reached out to, uh, I reached out to my group of kids and I heard from about 60% of them, you know, 40%, maybe they'll come back in, but at least they know that I'm there. I'm ready to support them. I'm, I'm here if they need them. And I think yep. that's the hard part that we, we, we try to stomach is like, to your point, you know, we can make ourselves available and, and we make ourselves available in schools every time we're there and, and not everyone takes you up on it when, you know, those yep, are, what is those there, are is that, at it, yeah. let alone online. So, I mean, that's the tough part. I think that's a really good point. No, that's right. And, and look, you know, some in public schools out in California, which I have enormous respect for their network, what they've done is, um, they got learning up immediately. They, they were already on an online platform. Students have a lot of agency over their learning. So it was actually pretty seamless for them. Yeah. Uh, but once they've been in that, they, they launched a, a survey to their families the other day and said, okay, you have four options for how you do the rest of the school year. You can accelerate and finish early if that's what you want. You can stay on pace with the rest of the group. You can tell us, hey, I need some extra resources, going to need some more time and, and work on it. Or fourth, School's not right for me right now. I've got too many other things in my life and I need yep. you to back off a little bit and here's why. And Summit then said, great, now we have that data. We're gonna create a different pathway for all four of those use cases uh, and handle them differently. Uh, yeah. and, and you know what, some of the kids that said, not for me right now, school's not, you know, whatever. They looked at the reasons and they're like, 
yeah, you need some extra support right now, but you're going to be okay. Like we're going to get you back on track when the time yep. is right. And yep. just having that transparency, I think is really important. Right. I think that's a great, a great way to put it. Um, and, and I'd love to hear about Summit or other schools, because I think what a lot of our listeners will want to hear about and think about is what you actually mentioned at that base level of like almost health and wellness. And yes. what a lot of what we're talking about often with this is physical activity, physical education, and the ability for kids to stay healthy while at home. Um, now, when we're talking about providing resources, I'll just kind of set the stage in that, you know, I'm on a few different chat channels, Facebook and different groups that are PE teachers. And, and, you know, a lot of the, the sentiment is, you know, I've been told to back off, um, you know, math, science, English, those subjects traditionally have always had the upper hand on physical education as it is. And now even more so, you know what, like the kids have enough work as it is. Don't assign a 30 minute, you know, physical education lesson, be it, uh, you know, a workout, a nutrition guide, all of these different things. And it's sort of like, take this, take the step down. So, so talk, talk us through those types of kind of like, not battles, but kind of tension yeah. that might arise between different subjects and kind of where you think it's, it's worth almost navigating physical education within this. Yeah. So I think the opportunity and what physical education teachers need to do is to, um, you know, those battles, frankly, actually, let's just stay, say it for what it is is because it's a school that looks at sort of the schedule and what experiences they provide uh, for students in a very atomized or modular way, mm. as opposed to a coherent whole. And yeah. if you step back and you say, let's reposition physical education, it's not a subject, it's part of a coherent foundation so that students can hopefully learn well in math, reading, science, et cetera, because we know if they don't have fundamental health and wellness and, and fitness, frankly, in place, it's gonna be a lot harder for them to excel. They're gonna get sick, they're gonna have stress, they're gonna have challenges. And having routine around you know, 20 to 30 minutes of fitness a day, like baseline, right? Um, that's really important. And it's not about assigning you to go shoot baskets because you're not allowed to anymore right now. Go to the basketball court, it's closed. Yeah. Um, but figuring out what's the right thing for your, you know, you personalizing that for the student, making sure that they get that as a baseline. So that should change the conversation, I think, which is rather than say, hey, we're assigning something from PE, it's no, we as a school are trying to figure out how to make sure that every single student gets this baseline at 20 to 30 minutes or whatever you're, I mean, you probably have a more specific guidance, but that's what I've been seeing in the research. Sure. Um, of every single day. And then that is a foundation to which we can then talk about these uh, different uh, subjects and figure out, you know, how much of the math curriculum are we still going to do? How much of the science curriculum are we going to yep. be able to get through and so forth? Um, but it's not about physical education as a separate subject vying for time. I think parents, yeah. you know, they're throwing up their hands right now because they're just getting emails from seven different teachers, uh, all parts of the week. And they're like, my head's ready to explode. Yeah. I think what they want is one communication, you know, Friday, uh, you know, of, of the week before saying, hey, this is what's coming down the pipeline for the next week. This is what to expect. These are, you know, create your routine for your family that makes sense. These are yep. going to be our synchronous check-ins with your kid. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's how I'd reposition PE is though as a friend <laughs> to the other subject matters to say like, they're not going to be able to sit in front of a computer and learn math unless they have had some physical fitness. It's just, it's not going to work well. There's a lot of research about moving before learning. Right. I think that's, I think that's uh, a great way to, to frame it in that, like often we find 
that like competing of if we only have because a lot of the schools I've seen are kind of working on that, especially in Massachusetts, sort of that like three and a half hours um, or different time frames of sort of setting some guidelines so that kids don't have the overload and aren't stacked up with a million things um, in terms of classroom time or different ways that that schools are doing it. Um, and to that exact point, like then all of a sudden it's like, well, who gets those chunks of times? Like who gets to claim the three and a half hours? And it becomes that, like you said, somewhat tension or competition where I think in that sense, like, you know what, it needs to work together. And I, I think a good shout out, um, one of the schools we work with is um, in Pennsylvania, Central Cambria, and they have really kind of come together where they said like, you know what, we're going we're gonna to make sure that everybody feels like they have their options available. And like, they just have been like, pumping on their social media and places where it's not like jamming down their throats, but you can come get it if you want it, different fitness exercises, different fun things, different ways that it's more of like this, like we're encouraging this as like the voice of the school and not so much like, Hey, here's this, you know, lone ranger PE teacher that feels like they have to fight for their 30 minutes of fitness, but you know, like the, the balance. Yeah. Which is crazy. Right. I mean, it's, this isn't a compliance mentality to make sure like you get your 30 minutes so you can check a box and say like, mm -hmm. I passed PE. Right. Um, this is about a foundation for your life and for this moment. So you can thrive as an individual uh, in, in a really turbulent set of circumstances that are very sure. stressful. Right. Sure. And so um, I, I think positioning it around that, it, it, to your point, is, is, is like absolutely the right way to go. And something else that a lot of families are realizing, which is that the work itself of school doesn't actually take six hours. <laughs> it, it, like if you line up all the assignments and learning that you have to do, a lot of parents are like, my kid is done by 11 a.m. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, what do I do now with them? Um, right. And they're like, what do they do during school if they finish uh, 11 a.m.? And it's like, look, there's a lot of other things that take up time in school from socializing to classroom management to transitions and so forth. Mm -hmm. Yes, if you just put the work out, you can be more efficient. And But it's not about the efficiency. It's like, what does that open up to? You have time for physical fitness yeah. as a family. Yep. You have time... <laughs> Uh, to do deeper projects that maybe you wouldn't otherwise do now. This is something homeschooling families have long known, which is that once you eliminate certain things, uh, you become more efficient in your learning, and that opens you up actually to doing more uh, uh, exciting projects and applications. And you know, who doesn't want to actually move and do physical fitness? That's fun. Right, right. And I think I think what you're doing a good job of though too is just balancing like again, to go back to where we started is like, there are a lot of people as we're talking, even as you're addressing those things. And you said it though, is like, well, well, like, what about all the social emotional? Like, yeah, it takes a little bit longer, but all these other things our kids are missing out on. And some of those things are just going to be harder to come by given this online and remote learning. And, you know, there's, there's zooms and there's different ways. I've seen fun ways, kids kind of like, you know, passing the ball to their next friend and finding those ways, like the virtual kind of like fun little games that they're doing. And I think that's a really good point is that there are the benefits that you can, you can look at it. And this kind of like positive framework of like, we are being more efficient. We're opening up more time. We're, and maybe we're opening up more time, even if it's not doing a project or, you know, an extra 30 minutes of fitness to find a creative way to like, talk to your neighbor across the street, you know, totally. scream across, like there's plenty of opportunities, but I think what you're doing a really solid job of kind of saying is that it's, I think we're used to knowing that like, this is the structure we have to follow. And 
it has to kind yeah. of look like this and your whole kind of disruptive model is that it doesn't have to like the parts don't always have to look the exact same to add up to the greater like goal of learning or kind of overall health wellness in our eyes, you know, that, that total picture. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, Arizona State Prep Digital, which is a, an online school that, that I know pretty well. I, I think you've talked to them as well yeah. in the past. Yep. They, uh, you know, what they're doing is they're providing virtual rooms for their, uh, for their students to uh, play uh, uh, board games with each other online yeah. to be cool. able to just, um, you know, just have like social hours with each other, like things like that. Um, yeah. Because that base, that social emotional base, which I include the wellness as a piece of that, like it's got to be there for the other stuff to occur. I think the best schools have been those that have been really aggressive at putting those in place and then really helped build routine for each individual family on top of that really quickly and not sort of sat on it. I mean, I think Massachusetts by and large has actually lagged behind much of the country sure. in, in sort of its pace of moving toward it and saying like, yeah, look, some students are going to slip through the cracks. And like, if we can figure out who those students are, then we can put more resources toward them either now or in the long term once we get back to, uh, you know, some sense of normalcy, uh, which may take a little while. Sure. And I, I'd love to hear your comparison to some of those folks that have maybe they've done this before um, and they've they've had this. I, I hear a lot of times like, you know what, like I don't, um, I'm, you know, so maybe not everyone's going to show up or maybe not, it's not going to work out. Like what, what about that like fear of it not working the first time? Have you seen in previous examples where it's like, Hey, this didn't work. And then we adjust like, cause I think yeah. that's the, the, the fear for a lot of teachers is like, I have to nail this the first time. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's so one, we're in a remarkable moment in society where I think there's a lot of empathy uh, for people. Like we're all going through something that none of us have gone through before. Mm -hmm. And people want to give people the benefit of the doubt. That's number one. Number two, I would say like the way you learn in life is by failing. That's how you actually learn is by, you know, you don't do something right. You, you course correct and then you get better. That's how learning occurs. How cool is it that teachers get to model learning for students in their ability to do, you know, as they learn to do something that they've never done before? Yeah. And I would just be very explicit about that in front of the students, which is like, none of us have done this before. We're all learning. That means by definition, we're going to fail. When I fail, I'm going to, you know, failure is great as long as you learn from it. Yeah. <laughs> when you just keep doing, you know, banging your head against the wall. Right. right. So uh, I think the opportunity to model really growth mindset and that this is what we do, right? Is we try something, it doesn't work. We learn a lesson from it and we try something else based yeah. on what we've learned. That's the learning process. And so what a cool opportunity, I would say, for teachers to not feel like they have to be on the pedestal and never make a mistake and never get the wrong answer and never slip up and, and so forth, which is unrealistic to begin with and crazy, I would argue. But... <laughs> you know, that's maybe the school that they come from. This is an opportunity to reset that and model uh, those really cool behaviors. And for, you know, for your listeners, the PE teachers out there that are maybe moving to an online, uh, you know, PE format where they're trying to figure out, you know, what are students doing? How do you communicate and so forth? Look, it's going to be different, right? But using a platform uh, like platform, um, creates uh, an ability to understand what individuals are doing, record videos of them, upload it, show videos, yeah. create synchronous opportunities on Zoom to just talk for five minutes. Hey, let me see your soccer dribbling skills. If it's a soccer coach, right? If it's, 
Let me see how you're throwing the ball. If it's a, you know, you're working with a quarterback on the football team, let me see how you're getting down in a three point stance. All those things, yeah. right, are just little moments that you can just insert. And, you know, maybe you'll say, like, gosh, six kids was too many to do that with. Next time I'll try it with two. Sure. Yes, great. Abs- absolutely. And I think it's a great point in that I even found myself doing that where I, into your whole idea of like, you know, sport coaches can be involved too. Like they're, everyone can play a part if they're a part of that school organization and they're passionate. Like, yeah, spring sports got canceled, but, or, you know, we can't see the kids and do the typical back to school nights and everything else like that to meet eighth graders that want to be on teams. But like, I found myself, I was in a, in a, um, a meeting with the captains of the rising girls that were going to be captains of the team for the fall. And it was hard for some of them to kind of like, cause they're still learning how to be leaders and all of those other things to navigate the conversation. We had to have it. We had to be in the larger group of like, there were six or seven of us on the call with captains and other coaches and everything else like that. And then one of the girls said, Hey, I, I need to talk to you about some stuff on my own. Okay. And that worked better for her. The first one wasn't a failure. We got, we were productive. There were things, but, and I think that's a really good point is that there's going to be different structures for different types of learners, different types of people. And that's been true of adults too. I think it's a a solid way to look at it is, you know, what an opportunity for teachers to figure things out and be okay to fail and also realize like, Hey, you don't love sitting on a zoom call with 30 other people. You start to kind of like lag off just like other people will as well. Yeah, I think that's right. And and look, teachers have preferences in this as well, you know, so, you know, one teacher is going to love, you know, Success Academy in New York um, has been held up as just how quickly they moved into this environment and they've created routines. And you read some of the articles about what they're doing. There was one on um, Fordham Institute, I think, published it. Like, it's breathtaking. It's really cool what they've accomplished. Yeah, totally check it out. And uh, that may not be right for every single culture or teacher and so mm-hmm. forth, right? Like, it, you know, maybe you're better off having, if you have 30 kids, like having, you know, a five-minute check-in with each of them and then pulling, you know, every other day, pulling 10 of them into a small group session, yeah. right? Figure it out for you, figure it out for them. Don't assume that there's a one-size-fits-all way to do this because there isn't. That's the whole beauty frankly, of those who have gone into this world uh, willingly, as opposed to those of us who've been thrust into it now, <laughs> uh, is, is the ability to personalize and customize uh, the, the way you do it for the different circumstances. Um, but again, I think it's that it's, it's having a coherent approach across the school is really important so teachers aren't getting, excuse me, parents aren't getting bombarded uh, and students yeah. aren't getting bombarded with lots of different perspectives on this work together and see again the PE you know teacher out there the, the the athletic coach you are part of a response that is getting the foundation in place yep. so that you can provide learning to students for you know certainly the rest of the school year and and potentially you know well into the fall right and i think that's a good i think that's a good kind of almost st- place to start thinking about wrapping up is that like you it, it, it's the confidence i think you know we sometimes need within within PE and coaching to know that like it's not it's not so much now now more than ever you know something that has to come secondary it's something that needs to basically be the bedrock and a great way to frame it where I want to finish though if you'll let me and I'm, I'm going to push you on this one and because and, I said before we kind of touched on what it looked like before all of this during 
what's this look like in a couple of weeks? Because I think there's a lot of people that were able to respond quickly. There are a lot of people who respond really well. Like you said, there's lots of resources out there. And like, I think there's now a lot of people saying, all right, I can do this for like a month, but <laughs> I got ready to go back to school. I, yeah. I, I don't have the, the long runway maybe that certain schools have the luxury for or anything else like that. So for schools that have set this up, or for schools that you've seen do this before a pandemic or anything else like that, that made it work for more than a month or two, what does it look like long-term? Is it just kind of the continued practices that you've described? Or is there like a second and third phase that I've maybe hinted at but for some schools that are trying, like where do you go so that this doesn't just kind of like fall off a cliff and everybody kind of signs off and is on their own accord? Yeah, yeah. Um, build routines, build culture, uh, so that you are not constantly fighting fires and responding to emergencies of, I have to teach this, my students need that, and so forth. Start yeah. to build sustainable routines uh, for your teachers, for your school that create consistent meeting times for staff to come together, uh, for, uh, for you know, departments to come together, uh, for planning, uh, things that will be almost inviolable uh, and go on. Yeah. so that you're not constantly reinventing wheels and making things up. Now is the time to try to find a little bit of moments in the day to take some pauses and start to say, what's going well? Let's build that into a routine that's sustainable. Yeah. What's stressing me? What's, you know, it's, it's not sustainable and we need to do something different for that. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's to me the big next step. Uh, the second thing I would say is, when you can get your head above water, <laughs> step back and say, what are the end outcomes we really want from students at the end of this year? And be very specific to the extent you can, you know, like whether someone memorizes a certain date in social studies is probably not one of those objectives that is mm -hmm. really foundational. Be, you know, be critical about what are we going to trade off on? What do we really want to make sure students, you know, get from this? Right. Right. And then map, map what's the best way now that we have some familiarity with this very unfamiliar environment what's the best way to map toward those as opposed to thinking we have to do every single thing that was in the 180 days of the curriculum before yep and i think that's a, a really i like that a lot because i'll use our examples our, our remote fitness and and physical education as an example is like you know what we we hear the we we spoke about it on the last podcast with, with coach brez is like body weight exercises this is the time to dial in you know have you been kind of lacking on technique like let's zone in like at the end of these couple of months you're going to be a you know the master of of your of your body and be able to squat full range of motion do these different types of things are you going to be able to master a pull-up maybe not because you don't have a place to do one that's not yep. the, the highest goal for you because i know you just don't have that available so i'm not going to measure you on something that you can't do at home. Rather, all right, everybody has a couch or a, a, a desk or a table to be able to do a push-up, an elevated push-up to, great. You're gonna nail that in. So hopefully by the end of this, you know, you're making your way down, knocking out great push-ups from the floor. Like those are some really great examples of like what are what are our keys or our metrics to success when we're at home, knowing that like maybe it's not, all right, now you know how to use a barbell. Cause that's that's not possible for everybody right now. So what are the alternatives? Yeah, it's such a good point. And it goes to, you know, when I think of some in public schools, going back to that example, what they, what they build in each learner is each week, there's each learner sets goal, learning goals for themselves. Yep. They plan how they're gonna reach those goals. They 
do it, then they assess themselves and then they reflect on what they've learned so that they can set a better goal and a better plan of action for the next sure. week. Yeah. And that's what this is that you're describing, right? Like you don't have a weight room at your disposal anymore. That's not what we're going to work on. So what does it mean for you as an individual mm -hmm. to continue to make progress and build that foundation? I mean, I'll, I'll say in my own practice right now, like at CrossFit Tilt where, you know, uh, we, we met that, you know, we're not doing a lot of barbell exercises at the moment because most folks don't have that. I do. So occasionally I throw in a barbell, you know, instead of the, uh, the dumbbells that they're doing because I can do that, personalize it for me. Yep. Um, but I'll also say like, you know, the silver lining in this is like, uh, and, and I suspect many students might find this is like, okay, all of a sudden I'm out of the pressure of a certain environment, or in my case, having to find time to actually drive to the gym every single day. I'm actually working out more than I was before. And I feel in really good shape. Yeah. I suspect some uh, individuals like the students can actually do that as well. Yep. Because it's not about like performing for PE class and the social norms and pressures and peer pressure that can be destructive. Sure. It's like me excelling against my goals, making progress. Yep. Yeah. Awesome point. And, and I think that's a really good point. And just the side of like, okay, like what, what can you do now? I, I, same, same type of way I, I've, you know, you're, you're hamstrung for time. Like we've talked about when you're just rushing from one thing to another, this has given us the ability to slow down. Um, and like, come, you know, come seven or eight o'clock at night, I used to be like, I want to shut it down. I want to watch the, the Celtics or I want to watch, you know, whatever sports is, is on at night. And now I'm like, Oh, I have a little extra time to, you know, maybe stretch, <laughs> maybe read a book, yeah. like all of these other things that I've just would always like kick down the road. It, it goes back to that idea of like, there is more time now, right? Like you said it before uh, we jumped on the podcast of like, I haven't really been many other places and like all of these things at your house or that you're able to do, like you have time to do them. It's great. It's not a, it's not a negative. It's just flipping it to the positive. So that's awesome. That's exactly right. And I think seeing, seeing the silver lining, uh, amidst some real challenges is, is just what's important right now. For sure. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap up. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. I know you uh, are, are always kind of a, a good, uh, a good person to kind of level and, and, and give it to us straight, but also kind of give teachers and, and coaches some ways that they can kind of have some structure and, and ways to approach it both in the, the interim and also long-term, because this could be something that kind of is longer than what we expect. So um, I am going to tag Michael, uh, his, his Twitter, his website and different things in places that you can find him. He's got a lot of different great books that kind of span across different planes of education from blended learning all the way up to your most recent book of choosing college, which seems more relevant now than ever. Um, for anybody that has yeah, high school students. what the heck to do in the fall. Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. So anything else you want to, you want to close with Michael before we wrap up or, or is that a pretty good summation? I Pretty good, pretty good summation. I think, you know, platforms like yours um, are incredibly important right now, though. So it, it helps students set goals for their physical fitness, make sure that their well-being is in place so that they can do important things in their lives. Fitness and health and wellness are the foundation. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. And I think that is something that we can beat the drum for, for many, many months and years to come in terms of, you know, what is kind of the foundation and then where we can go from there. I, I, it's, it's nice to know that I think people are starting to really value that fitness at that base level more, more than they have in, in recent years. So thanks again to everybody who lis who's listening. I said it at the front end of the show, if you've made it this far with us, I encourage you to, you know, 
refer your friend, a colleague, a classmate, someone else to come listen to this and just check it out. Um, These podcasts are merely a a way that we are all trying to figure it out together. Like we said, this is new to all of us um, in in some form or fashion, and we want to start the conversation. So reach out to us with any questions, comments, feedback, and remember at Platform, it's always in pursuit of better.